GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble gum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and I'm joined by a man who puts on a fake ponytail just to practice his Aikido. <laughs> Hovercraft Joe. Hey, listen, LPJ, I know that you think you're above the law, mm-hmm. but you're not above my law, so oh. watch it with those jokes, okay? Thank you, that was just good. Watch it. Wait, 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 draw it in. Uh, so we are talking if you couldn't tell by my great intro there or the fact that you're looking at the title of the episode we're talking about 1988's above the law uh lpj and i had kind of discussed that we had had a a, a kind of a gap uh, depending on how you look at it and like our viewing of steven seagal movies for this podcast so um you know and, and we are kind of like which one to start with blah 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 so we we went with this one which is the first one um it, it was released april 8th 1988 and i can say that i had uh never seen it before uh, um i didn't know much about it uh i so here's the funny thing it was on tubi you guys know how much i love tubi yeah so i was really excited that it was on tubi to watch but it kept saying it was like oh you know like i started it this week and it kept saying like expires or leaving in this many days but like in my mind i was like oh i was like well it's leaving december 1st so it's fine (laughs) so we're recording this on december 1st so last night i go to watch like the last half hour of it and it's not (laughs) to me uh so uh i had to rent it on amazon today for 2.99 and fast forward through everything and then watch the last half hour of it so wow so that those time zones really kill you right that just shows you don't don't procrastinate dude don't procrastinate i should have just finished it i didn't have that much left but um but what about you had you had you you ever seen it before lj i thought i had seen this (laughs) turns out i've seen death warrant (laughs) i feel like I feel like all his early movies are kind of the same. Like I might have seen one of them, but there's yeah. like all of them that lead up to like Under Siege. It's like what is it? It's like Above the Law, Out for Justice, Death Warrant, Mar- and that isn't Death Warrant a John Claude Van Damme or whatever movie? it is. Uh, no. <laughs> yes. Hold on, I'm looking it up now. It, it was. Uh... Hold on, I'm, pull- I'm pulling it up. Okay, I'm pulling I'm it up. I think looking. you're wrong. I'm looking Above the Law. Uh, hold on, I'm looking it up too. This is great for everyone. Above the law, hard to kill, marked for death, out for justice. Oh, hard then to kill. Marked for, or uh, hard to kill. That's the one. Hard to kill. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's kind of funny because thinking about it, before this, the only Stevens Gall movies we've done on the podcast are Under Siege and uh, what was the one with uh, where he goes to prison with John Rule? Yes. Um, that was Exit Wounds. Egg, no, no, exit wounds. Half past oh, dead. Half past dead. Well, we did do exit wounds, though. Yeah, half past. Ex, 
Yeah, half as dead as him and Ja Rule. We did exit wounds as well. That was him and DMX. Um, and neither of them were that good. Uh, okay. Uh, so uh, this movie uh, has a budget of $7.5 million. Uh, as far as gross, I could just find that it had a worldwide gross of $18 million, So I don't know how that's split up or whatever. But I was kind of surprised because that seems like it's you know doubling what it costs to make. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I think it was uh, one of those movies that just sort of you know, it was a sleeper hit. Like people, I don't know. I think people at first enjoyed the authenticity of Steven Seagal and the yeah. fact that he was an actual, you know, uh, uh, accomplished martial artist as opposed to, and I'm not saying like Jean-Claude Van Damme isn't or, you know, but I, I think uh, 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 Seagal is known was known first as being a martial artist, kind of worldwide, and then became, you know, a movie star because of it. Right. Um, and, and this movie, uh, watching it, it has such that feel of like that, like, I mean, like that late '80s, early '90s, oh, like yeah. action movie. And it's kind of funny to me now thinking about like whatever this movie came out when we were eight, or you were nine, I was eight, whatever. Um, but like. It seems, for it being like an R-rated action movie, it seems pretty tame compared to like the standards of like what an R-rated action movie is. Yeah, what's today. crazy about that is they cut, like, they cut almost like fifteen minutes out of this film to get it down to an R rating. I just think the standards are different back then I because, think you're like, right. because like I, I feel like we it happens a lot when we watch like these older action movies. Uh, it's funny because I had to stop myself. I'm like, well, older. I'm like, all right, yeah, it's old. It came out '88. Yeah, um, it's, it's been but, some years. But the but the curve on it just seems like you know, it just seems pretty tame. You know, it's not. I mean, like, yeah, there's a lot of people getting killed, but none of it's particularly graphic. Well, I mean, he cuts out that one guy's hand with a machete, but yeah, and he breaks um, that guy's arm. Yeah, he breaks that guy's arm. Uh, I have some thoughts on the main villain in this, but I will save them for as we get rolling. This okay, is so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh so <laughs> uh this movie has a rotten tomatoes of 50%, which is 41% better than the 9% that Beverly Hills Cop 3 has and has an audience score of 48%, which I thought was weird. I mean, it's about even, but I I would have thought it might have been flip-flopped. I thought audiences might have liked this more than critics. So. Yeah, it that is kind of surprising to me too. I this is definitely not necessarily a movie I think critics would like. <laughs> yeah. Well, 50% is kind of like, I guess, borderline like, so. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. Top grossing movies of 1988. Uh, hey, we just did a movie in 1988 recently within the last, like, four episodes. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, it was, uh, uh, was it Bloodsport? It was pulling yeah. for Okay. Like so the top before. grossing <laughs> the top grossing movies are number one, Rain Man, number two, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and number three, Coming to America. This movie, Above the Law, comes in fifty-six in the domestic box office. Uh we on this podcast have also covered number seven, Die Hard, number fourteen, Willow, number sixteen, Rambo three, number forty-nine, Action Jackson, uh, which by the way is, as we mentioned before, the movie where it ends with uh him driving that car through the house and then having a karate fight with Coach. Uh <laughs> yeah. If you want to hear a wild episode, that's a good one. 
Uh, and then uh, the the uh, uh, mentioned Bloodsport is the eighty first. Uh, yeah. That's it. That's came, the one. Came, came in eighty first. Yep. Sorry, I, I lost. I had a brain break there for a second. Uh, okay, so this movie uh, about the law and meant it stars Steven Seagal as we mentioned, and I was like, "Whoa, Pam Greer's in this movie." I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And then Sharon Stone's in this movie. Sure. I didn't She's know a, that. She shows up too. Yes. Uh, and then I guess like, so I didn't really notice. Who, okay. I thought that I noticed Michael Rooker yeah. sitting at the bar. And Rooker's then it was has lines. Rooker has lines. He's pretty noticeable. And then I saw when I was doing my research, it said that this was the on screen, the first on screen appearance of John C. Riley. Uh-huh. And I was like, who's, I still don't know who John C. Riley is. I think is he was doing. the guy sitting next to Rooker. Okay. Like, so he's just someone that got beat up at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is there anyone else in the cast that you wanted to uh, make note of? Uh, I mean, not really. Not really. I mean, there's his detective friend, Lukich. Yeah. He like he's the other partner. Like it's Pam Greer, Seagal, and then the other guy. The other guy's Lukic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he plays a cop in a million different things. He's like he's in The Fugitive. He's in Dark Knight. He's, okay. Yeah, he plays all kinds of – especially in, in anything Chicago-based. Okay. Uh, I think the the old like mafia dude looked familiar to me, but I don't I don't know why. Maybe he just had like an old man face or something. Uh, I mean, Jack was, Wallace. Maybe he was in Boogie Nights. You know, I don't know. Death. He's a Death Wish. Remember that Death Wish? No. Uh, I've never seen Death Wish, so uh, I can't help you there. Yeah, I, he was familiar. He's another character actor. Okay, he just had a face that looked familiar. Yeah. I think to me. So, uh, okay. Let's talk about some net worths, and I bet you cannot guess which ones I pulled out of the cast. I can't imagine. Uh, Okay, let's start with Sharon Stone. Uh, She's got that sweet, sweet basic instinct money. Uh, Quick side note, so uh, when I was in college, uh, I took – I wasn't a film major, but I took film classes just for, like, I don't know, craps and giggles. I guess apparently now, as I think about it, it's like to waste money. Uh, but I took a modern film noir class. And in this modern film noir class, we are going to be watching Basic Instinct. Uh, and so uh, LPJ, yep. uh, when I told him this, is like, does your professor have the limited edition copy that comes with, like, the, like, replica ice pick? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like... I don't know. So I don't know why, but when he was like, my professor was going to put on the copy, I'm like, hey, is that the copy that came with the replica ice pick? And he looks at me very confused. It was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, that's just a story. But I just like, I was really excited to ask him and he seemed very surprised that I was asking him that. So uh, anyways, uh, LBJ, Sharon Stone, sweet, sweet, basic instinct money. What do you Yes, do? She's got that sweet, sweet total recall money. Um, I'm gonna go 80 million, 40 million, uh, and you know what? Both of us really kind of with like Action Jackson was right there. Yeah, I know. I wanted to tell the story about the ice pick. It's better story. Maybe it was, was it a pen? Ice pick pen? It might have been a pen. Yeah, I can't imagine it was actually an ice pick. Well, yeah, I know it wasn't an actual ice pick. But... Yeah, I think it was a pen. You well, know, you know who we can ask? Who? Jody, because his dad has one. <laughs> We could also ask him about that collector's edition of Showgirls as that is. Uh-huh. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe it's the collector's edition of Showgirls. I know. We'll figure it out, Discord, and we'll post a picture of the basic instinct we're, we're, we're thinking of. Yeah, but okay. don't, don't hold us to that. We may not. 
<laughs> I'm I'm holding us to it. I'm going to. Uh, okay, uh, Pam Greer. Uh, she's got that sweet, sweet. Uh, what was that Quentin Tarantino movie? She oh, was. Oh, I got it already. Jackie Brown money. Damn she's got you. that sweet, sweet Jackie Brown money. Damn you, you son of a bitch. I feel like we've done another movie with Pam Greer in it on the podcast. We have, and I'm trying to think what it is now. Um, now I'm going to look it up because you know what? I'm breaking the rules. <laughs> I'm looking it up because I got to know. I know we've done one. Uh, it, it, oh. <laughs> what is She's it? She's got that sweet, sweet Escape from L.A. money. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah remember how like uh never mind I, you know go back and listen to that episode at one point kurt russell like serves it's really dumb um uh what now what are you saying for i'm sorry did you guess uh i'm gonna go 20 million four million dollars four million dollars from him here and then finally mr steven seagal himself he's got that Sweet, sweet, on deadly ground money. What do you think for Steven Seagal? He said that sweet, sweet glimmer man money. <laughs> <laughs> We're covering that one. Um, he's got, I'll go, he's got, he's got, I'm going to go, ready? Mm-hmm. 40 million Russian rubles. <laughs> well, I don't know what it translates to, but he has $14 million. Right. $14 million. It's probably pretty close. Uh, do you have anything to say about the director, writer, that kind of stuff? Um, I mean, Seagal kind of picked him to be the... Here's what's weird about this movie, right? <laughs> oh, there's just one thing that's there's weird about it? About this, there's one thing weird about this movie. So one of the producers of this... This was this was a movie, right? There's a pile of scripts, apparently, for Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And... Uh, and there's this producer in Hollywood who who knew Seagal, knew of Michael Ovitz, knew of his um, like Aikido school, and mm-hmm. was trained by him, and thought, okay, I can make anybody a movie star. I'm gonna take this guy, this 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 Aikido instructor, and he looks like he can handle himself. We're gonna throw him in a movie. Here's a bunch of scripts for Clint Eastwood. Pick one. So he picks this one, and then together they kind of rewrite it and redo the story, move it from – it was going to be in um, San Francisco, Francisco, and they moved it to Chicago. I don't know why Chicago. Maybe because the mob connection. Whatever. Um, And for his first movie, Seagal kind of like writes the story and produces it and does all the choreography for it. And I feel like it's a weird thing for any pick the director. I feel like it's a strange thing for someone who's never acted before to come in and do that. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird because I mean, yeah, it's not like it's he was established at all. It was no. literally the first movie he ever made. And so. it's Warner Brothers. Like it's not like it's Canon Films, you know. Yeah. It's Warner Brothers doing the uh doing the distribution for this. So I don't know. I find it strange. Very weird. <clears throat> Um, did he go on to direct anything else of note? Um, Under Siege. Oh, shoot. Okay. Well, there you go. He directed The Fugitive. Oh, The Fugitive. They have movies both covered on this podcast. Yeah. Um, although I was, I wasn't on The Fugitive episode, so. No, it's a good episode, though. Oh, well. Can't be that good. I'm not on it. That's fair. Uh, okay. Uh, you ready for a couple of taglines? Oh, there are some? There's two. All right, go. Um, first one, short and sweet. He's a cop who believes no one 
is above the law. All right. All right. This one, a little wordy if you ask me. He was a covert agent trained in Vietnam. First off, I think that's wrong. He has a master's six-degree black belt in Aikido a family and family in the mafia. He's a cop with an attitude. I feel like that one's all over the place. Yeah, because this movie's all over the place, which, by the way, I have a real issue with the whole conceit of this movie. <clears throat> we'll get into it. Okay. When we get there, I'm well, going to bring it up. I, I literally, like, there's a point, and it didn't happen till today mm-hmm. when I was taking notes. So the last half hour of the movie what I literally wrote in my notes and kind of exclaimed out loud, like, Oh, that's, that's what the bad guys plot is. In this movie. Right. Like, like I feel like the plot for the bad guys is like, it's kind of like a misdirect. And then it's like introduced, but it actually is like so late in the movie. It's like, Oh wait, what? Like that's what this is. about. Yeah. I, that's yeah. It's weird. I mean, they kind of, they kind of um, allude to it in the beginning. But they don't really say that that's what the plan is. Yeah, it's it's like, oh, you think it's just going to be like, oh, he's going after some drug dealers. And it's like, oh, no, it's a plot to assassinate a U.S. senator. And it's yeah. like, huh, what? <laughs> it's very, very, very confused. Um, okay, so uh, do you want to say anything else or should we just start talking about the, uh, the plot? I think we should. Let's just get into the plot because, like, the setup for this is <laughs> – well, yeah, because so unreal. Because it starts with like the movie opens with pictures of young Steven Seagal and a Steven Seagal voiceover. Yeah, <laughs> and like I literally the the first note I wrote is like, is this like the story of his life? Like, what is going on? Like, it's so it almost seems like it's autobiographical. To well, start. I think that's what the beginning of it is like. The beginning of it is taken from his life, you know, him training in Japan and all that. Um, okay, so here's the setup, right? I'm going to give the setup. I'm going to take it from you for a second. Here. Yeah, please. Please do. Okay, so he is, uh, sorry, he's Nico Toscani. He's an Italian, born in Italy, right? He yep. sees martial arts on TV, gets interested in it, and moves to Japan. <laughs> to devote his life to studying Aikido. Now, um, do you? I, I, I'm clueless when it comes to martial arts. Do you, yeah. I mean, is there anything Aikido related or like that I would recognize it from besides him? I mean, is there anything you know about it as far uh, as a martial he, arts? He popularized it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, if if I remember it correctly, it's the it's not so much that there's like physical strikes and things it's more using your opponent's movements against themselves gotcha so that's okay. why you see him flipping people over and like stepping out of the way and tripping people and stuff like that gotcha okay anyway go ahead sorry so he he trains becomes better than the japanese students that have been training longer than he has uh <laughs> eventually takes over and becomes the star student right then gets recruited by the cia uh during vietnam so doesn't fight in <laughs> Vietnam as a soldier, is in Vietnam as a CIA operative. <laughs> and in nineteen seventy three. In nineteen seventy three, right? Yeah. And then he's then in Vietnam he is he's witnessing these other CIA agents come in, yeah. torturing these uh, 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 prisoners, war prisoners, 
because they stole opium <laughs> from these CIA the CIA guys like hidden, Zagon. Z- yeah, Zagon. Zagon's hidden opium uh, uh, factory or whatever it is. <laughs> like that's the whole setup. And then he gets out of the army, right? Or the CIA and yeah. joins the Chicago police force. <laughs> <laughs> and we should mention that like Zagon or Z- Zygon, Zagon, like his whole thing is like, he's like, he's got like a suitcase of like, like interrogation, like drugs and tools and stuff yeah. like that. Like, like that's his whole that's thing. His thing. Yeah. Now to follow up, hold on. I'm, I'm not done yet. No. Okay. Keep going. Now the backstory of all this is the reason why he moves to Chicago to become a cop is because his family is the mafia in Chicago, <laughs> which is why I have an issue. His whole thing is no one's above the law, but his yeah. whole family is in the mafia. Well, I, I would I, I would say, and, and uh, apologies to any of our uh, mafia listeners, uh, any members listening in the mafia, but I, I would I feel as though this movie maybe offers a kinder portrayal of the mafia. Oh yeah, uh, as in like they're always like oh, they're basically the good guys. Like they're yeah. they're like they don't do anything bad in this. They just like protect Steven Seagal. And is that Steven Seagal's? Is that supposed to be his dad, or how is that? Like how is he uncle. really? I, I okay. think it's what it, what it what it boils down to. I think they call they call him uh, what's his name, Uncle Son, Uncle uh, Uncle Bronca. Okay, well, yeah, I feel like the portrayal of the, the mafia is pretty soft in this, as in like they're just kind of like, ah, oh, we're just gonna help you out. Yeah. Also, can I tell you? That my favorite character in this whole movie is like Steven Seagal's like police captain who seems like he was plucked out of one of those Saturday Night Live dub bears. Uh-huh. Well, that guy, he is a Chicago cop. Um, okay. He just shows up because he's in The Fugitive also. Uh, he shows up in all of these like Chicago based cop movies. He is actually a Chicago detective. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this guy is not an actor. Oh, yeah. No, he's not an actor. Um, I'm so confused. Where are we? <laughs> oh, I just introduced his backstory. Well, I, I, got him, I got him to Chicago at this point. That's basically like uh, the first 20 minutes of the movie, though. Yeah, essentially, yeah. That's basically the first 20 minutes of the movie. Look at that. I did your job for you for a change. <laughs> right? I'm contributing. This is the first time you've discussed any bit of the plot for a movie in like uh, 178 episodes. Right? How'd I do? <laughs> you did great. Are you sure yes. you don't want to continue? No, I'm good. You got it from here. I don't want to step on your toes. Uh, also, okay. I'm, also, I'm out of notes. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Um, uh, he's back in Chicago. It's 1988. Uh, he's married to Sharon Stone. He has a kid. Uh, the kid's at a um, christening, I believe it is. Yeah, it'd be a christening. I'm trying to figure out where in Sharon Stone's career is this exactly. Oh, I feel like it's very early it's on. It's got to be super early. I wonder, because she did she did Police Academy 4 right before yeah. this. Oh, man. When are we going to cover a Police uh, Academy movie? I don't know. It's a good question. Oh, and then right the same year she did Action Jackson. Yeah, and I feel like Total Recall is Total, right around. Yeah, in Total here. Recall was ninety, and then ninety two is Basic Instinct, and that's kind of where it took off. Well, there you go. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so the 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 the, the kids has a, a baptism, and there's like a party afterward, and that's when we're introduced to like his cop buddies, including his partner Pam Greer, who 
her whole thing is that she's got like a week left on the force and then she's becoming a district attorney. And then we're also introduced to his other part of his family, like his mafia family. And it's funny because it's like the cops and mafia hanging out together. But it really doesn't come into play much at all. No, it's weird because like uh, one half of the vi- one half of the, the party, the cops are talking shit about the mafia guys. And the other half, the mafia guys are talking shit about the cops. And Steven Seagal's just kind of in the middle. So, okay. <laughs> Pam Greer and Steven Seagal... Um, goes, they go out like uh, looking. So like Steven Seagal's grandma, <laughs> who, who is, goes missing. Who's the, the girl that he goes finds. It's, I think it's his, I guess, niece, cousin, something like that. It's yeah. they're, they're all part of the family. So it's, he's just like, a, she's like a distant relative. So they go downtown and they stop at this place and he goes in and it kind of seems, I was very confused because it kind of seemed like it was like a convenience store with like a bar in the back of it. Because I swear there were like shells with like, yeah. like it looked like a, a supermarket. So then um, he, this is where you get the the small appearances by uh, John C. Riley and uh, uh, what is nuts. Yeah. And, and so the bartender is very, uh, very, uh, hostile immediately and by the way when this bartender came back later on in the movie two different times i was so fucking confused i literally was like does this bartender work for the main bad guy no you know who he is no he's he this is how they credited credit him as cia bartender it turns out He's an undercover CIA agent, CIA agent who's trying to infiltrate all this stuff, and they never Steven, really mention it. Steven Seagal kills him in this yeah, movie. I know. <laughs> it's so confusing, right? but yeah, my note is that the bartender is really mouthy. Like, um, so yeah, so Steven Seagal beats up a bunch of dudes in the bar, and then he finds his relative, and she's like high on drugs. Uh, but the guy that she's with tells him, hey, there's going to be this big uh, shipment of drugs coming into town. Uh, so Steven Seagal, uh, he listens in on like the main drug dealer's lawyer's phone right. uh, and, and follows him to a restaurant um, and, and finds out that like there's this big this big deals going down at the meatpacking district. Hold on. I have another issue with all this. Like, <laughs> again. Seagal's whole stance, no one's above the law, except for Steven Seagal, who's very okay with illegally wiretapping people's phones. <laughs> well, I think it's like no one's above his law. Right. Like, he's above the law, but no one's above his law. Also, I feel like like Pam Greer, like, I get it. She's leaving to be a district attorney, but my note is like, man, she really seems to hate being a cop because she's, like, complaining about everything they have to do and, right. like, telling them to leave it alone and... Like, she, did, well, she, just, just, she just wants to coast that last week. You know, like when you're getting ready to go on vacation from work. You yeah, kind of want to ease into it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So they go and have this thing at the, the meatpacking district. Uh, like they, they're all staking it out, and it's like a bunch of the cops are there and, and the feds. But the feds like mess everything out, up, and there's like a big shootout. Uh, and Steven Skull ends up on top of his car, and he punches <laughs> – through the window and grabs is it the main drug dealer guy like by the neck and he's like choking him yeah and he's like really choking the shit out of him <laughs> uh so they finally stop the car and the the dudes get arrested right and they find because they thought it was going to be drugs in this like engine block yeah 
Uh, but it turns out it was a bunch of like military grade, like C four explosive. I guess maybe all C four is military grade. I don't know why I threw that in. You know, I, I don't, don't know. know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. Let's uh, <laughs> uh, our military uh, listeners out there, let us know. Is there non military grade C four? Is <laughs> I there feel stuff like... like you just buy at a army surplus store? I feel like C four is not something that like you can get your you're supposed to be able to get your hands on. So um, I don't know. Anyway. We'll find out in the Discord. So then, like, uh, the word comes down to the FBI, and they end up having to release uh, uh, the drug dealer, the drug dealer, and like his his crony. Uh, and that's when we find out that the the top bad guy is Zag- Zagan, 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 Zordon. I think it's Zordon. Zordon. Yeah. Uh, so him and, and the Ayayayayayay robot. Right. Alpha Five. Alpha Five. No. So so Zagan. Uh, the dude from the beginning of the movie, the like crazy torture doctor guy, CAA guy, he's the main bad guy, uh, and he's the one that got them released. Uh, but we're still not quite sure what the plot is. But then we get, then we get like it's almost like this movie is like three parts, and they're yeah. all connected. But it's like so that's the end of part one. So then we get to part two, and Steven Seagal. At this point, the FBI's like they're like drop the case, leave him alone, blah 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 blah. But he's still, you know. He's still following them. So he follows them to his mother's church <laughs> and just kind of sees them like casing the joint out. Um, and so then he talks to the actual priest there and the priest is got like this, this other priest from a different country, like hiding in his basement with a bunch of like refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, They're from and, somewhere and, in Central America. Right. Uh, so Stephen Skull ends up going to church, right? Uh, like the next day or whatever. Uh, and... and <laughs> There's a couple things here. First of all, there's like uh, they keep showing this guy with like glasses, and it's like I don't know why they're showing this guy. They haven't introduced him yet. Right. More on that later. And then there's like a real shifty lady, and she leaves a package, and a bomb goes off in the church, the C C four, um, and and kills the priest and, and other people in the church. Um, and, and one that's when we find out the guy that they kept showing us with the glasses was the senator's aide, right? And we're like. And I'm if, if you're like me, you're watching me. If you're like, what the fuck is going on at this point? Because right. it's like I'm so confused, right? Um, so then there's like um, he goes to the hospital, and uh, the priest dies, and he like roughs up one of the FBI agents. Um, so then we get kind of like a mo- investigation montage where he's like on the streets trying to find the drug dealer guy, and like Pam Greer's doing other investigative stuff. Um, uh, so then, like, he's just, like, walking down the street, and this car pulls up, and these guys, like, <laughs> get out to attack him, and it's, like, it, it's, it's like, um, uh, what's, what's the, uh, Streets of Rage, because it's, like, yes. they all just randomly picked up, like, one's got, like, a pipe, yep. one dude's got a machete, there's, like, one guy with a gun, um, but the guy with a gun, he, like, grabs his hand, and, like, I think he, like, just pushes him into the dude with the machete and cuts out the hand? Or does he grab the guy with the machete's hand and, like, cut it off? I don't know. He ends up cutting the guy's hand off, uh, and, and he beats up a bunch of dudes. Uh, the one guy he chases, like, really far down the street, but still beats him up. Um, he then gets a call uh, from the who the guy who was, like, his buddy at the beginning of... Uh, in yeah, his CIA friend. Nelson. Nelson, yeah, who was there yeah. in um, in in Vietnam with him. And he's like, hey, you better watch out. Like, watch what you're doing. Like, you know, your family's going to be in trouble. And then, like, immediately, like, the FBI show up at his house with the search warrant. 
and they take all his recordings and uh, they take him downtown and he gets suspended. Also, I think when he's walking to the police station, that's the setting, the second sighting of the CIA bartender yes. where he's apparently decided for a couple days, like, I don't know, five days later, he's filing a police report right. against Steven Seagal for the incident in the bar. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So then we're, we're introduced to more of the Senator plot where it's something like, the senator was looking into like the CIA and like them being responsible for like trafficking drugs and stuff like that. Like, isn't that kind of like his whole crux is like they couldn't buy the senator and he's been investigating like what they're actually doing. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a combination of things. So the all the I guess all of the other senators were bought off or enough of them were bought off to look the other way from Zagan's sort of drug cartel which he's using to fund his operations uh his 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 uh covert operations this guy reminds me a lot of uh is it james wood's character in uh the yeah. first expendables kind of yeah not james woods um uh, eric roberts eric roberts um but also he's they're also looking at him for uh human rights violations and the way he tortures people yes uh, so it's all of that stuff. And this particular senator is sort of leading the charge on investigating this and trying to blow this guy's plan up. Right. And the priest, Father Tomasino, sure. uh, who is the dude in the basement, is from like El Salvador or something, yes. I think. Mm -hmm. And he basically had witnessed or somehow heard or found out that they had this plot that they were trying to kill the senator. And he had proof. So that, he, he has some kind he of documentation, proof. some kind of proof about it. So that's why the that's why the CIA was trying to kill him. And he was supposedly, like, the, the thing was that he was supposed to be the one giving the sermon or whatever the day of the church right. when the bomb went off. But then the other guy, like Steven Seagal's priest, did it instead, and he got killed. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I, and I also like, so Steven Seagal is just like... <laughs> He's just like driving down the street and he like stops at a stop sign and like five dudes with automatic weapons just like walk out of nowhere and just yeah. shoot the shit out of his car. And there's kids there. There's like families walking around. It's broad daylight. I do have to say, I like the point though. He kind of gets the jump on him. He gets to jump on one of them and he's like, I just got over. He's like, hey, put the gun down. And the one guy in the group's like, hey, you can't like take all of us out. And Steven's going to shoot someone yeah. in the chest. Just kills a guy. I, I kind of thought it. So then he like, then he leads all the dudes into the shop. And I got to say, I felt really bad for the shop owner at this point. He's just yeah. trying to make a living. Because yeah. Steven Seagal brings these guys in there and a fight breaks out. And then like, like he, he seemed like Steven Seagal was trying to trash that guy's store. Because then he even like pushed that one dude through the window. That wasn't necessary. No, not necessarily. Not necessary at all. He could have flipped him over and dropped a fridge on his head. Something. Yes. So okay. So then uh, uh, he he his his uncle, uh, uncle mafia uh, <laughs> looks after his family, uh, takes Sharon Stone and his, his mom and his kid, um, and then like okay. So then Steven's <laughs> sequence is so weird. So Steven Seagal like sneaks up on like the the one FBI agent in the parking garage and first like he's insinuating that this dude is like sleeping with a minor which i don't even know if he was or that was just he was just saying that right. i don't know so then he makes him drive him to like an fbi like warehouse where they keep evidence and that's where they find out that the c4 that was supposedly checked in there is all gone um and then he drives him to a lake makes him take off his pants his shoes and makes him jump in the lake <laughs> yeah and the guy just does it <laughs> 
Yeah, the guy does nothing. He's like, Steven, oh, okay, Steven Seagal. Even guy. though Steven Seagal is basically driven away at this point, he's yeah. like, he's like almost yelling out the window. He's like, hey, Joe Boone. Yeah. Like, like, what, what incentive did the guy have? Steven Seagal's not going to shoot and kill him. And then, then like, so that seems weird enough. And then we, like, pivot to another scene that I was very confused by because he goes to an electronics convention. Yeah. And, and, and speaks to this, like, Japanese lady who's never been introduced, never been referenced before, and is, nope. like, a, a proto-computer hacker who, like, dig, digs into all these CIA files for him. I thought, oh, I was reading the reason why that scene is in there is because uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, happened yeah. to be going on the same time they were filming, filming and they're like, well, let's just use that. But it's so weird because it's like we don't know who this lady is. She's not introduced. Nope. They're, they're, but like she cracks into the CIA files for them. Uh, and basically figures out that there's like a CIA, CIA hit team in town, right? Yes. Like, but it's it, it's it was so bizarre. I was literally so confused because I'm like, well, wait, why are they at this convention? Who is this lady? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, it was very it was very strange. So, um, and, and this so the CIA ends up at this point finding the priest who was at the nun's apartment, the nun from the church. Yes. Yep. Uh, and, and this, by the way, mind you, is at the point where my notes say, wait. The plot of this is that the bad guys are playing to kill the senator, huh? Yeah, they don't. <laughs> there is no indication that that's what the plot's going to be at any point until now, and yeah, it's just it, sort of like spit at you. Yeah, until like Zagon starts torturing the priest with his you know chemicals and stuff sure. like that. Truth serum and starts and starts being like, who did you uh, who did you tell like who did you tell that about? us going to kill the priest we i mean the senator we can't kill the senator until we know lord um so then steven skull and his cop buddy show up and there's a shootout his cop buddy immediately gets shot uh he tells pam Greer to stay in the car she does it and then gets blasted with a shotgun yeah. by and then like steven skull leaves like yeah he gets traced chase and he jumps on like an l train and you know he escapes the bad guys but he just like well i guess uh pam Greer's dead he just assumes. He's like, well, she got shot in the chest with a shotgun. She's probably dead. He goes to her apartment and kind of like looks over all the evidence she gathers and it's like kind of sad. And at that point, I was kind of like, well, maybe Pamper is dead. But it turns out she's not dead because nope. she was wearing a bulletproof vest. Uh, and then he like he calls his his uh, he calls Uncle Mafia and Uncle Mafia is like she's not dead she's all right she was wearing a vest he's like oh okay so he goes to, goes to the Uncle Mafia's house and like. Um, the they they drop like the bad guys drop off like a package at his house like pictures of his family and stuff and Sharon Stone is a real crybaby in this, um. And, but Steven Seagal. I mean, like, hold on. In her defense, she <laughs> is being targeted by the CIA for you know to be killed. I mean, I I can understand why she'd be a bit upset. All right, fair enough. So Steven Seagal's like, yeah, whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna end this. So he goes to like kind of track down Zagon, and that's when his buddy Nelson shows up. Yep. And, and kind of talks to him and like Nelson's basically been, you know, working for Zagon this whole time. Uh, but I, he's he's kind of trying to, I guess, I don't know, help out Steven Seagal, I he's guess. He's trying to just get him out of the way so Zagon can go do what he wants to do. Yeah. So and that's that's when you get um, that's when you get the uh, the invoke the title. That's when Steven Seagal tells the guy, you guys think you're above the law. Well, you ain't above mine. 
Um, but Zagon and uh, the the drug dealer and the fucking bartender show up <laughs> the parking structure, yep. and there's and there's like a big shootout. Uh, Nelson gets killed. I have to say though, I really enjoyed the death of the main drug dealer guy because first of all, he gets shot. Right? Yep. He gets shot, and then Stephen Skull's like driving this car like wildly around in the parking structure, and he backs into this guy, like hits him really hard. The guy flies up and he's hanging onto the back of the car, but he's still alive. So Steven Seagal like floors it, crashes through the wall of the parking structure. The guy flies off the back of the car, falls. And it's not even so much that he falls and lands on the elevated train tracks. The only point of letting you know that he hit the third rail because you uh-huh. hear like sparks and electricity. Yeah. He gets electrocuted. He gets shot. <laughs> run over by a car, then j- dropped off the top of a parking structure onto the third rail of the subway. Yeah, I, I like that there. I was like that that little touch because it's like he didn't, you didn't need to let us know that he got electrocuted. That wasn't necessary. We assumed but, he was dead. Cool. Yeah, like we, I we assumed. Just, yeah, he was dead. Um, but then, uh, then Steven Seagal gets caught. Like he gets captured by the bad guys, and they take him to where the senator's giving a speech. And that's again at this point, I'm still like, why is the bartender there? Well, and I can't figure out why do they even take him to where the senator is. Uh, it's I think I, I don't know. Well, I think it's just uh, at this point, I think like Zagon has like a real mad on for Steven's gall. So I think he, I, I think maybe it's kind of like, well, he kind of knew what was going on. So I think he wanted to make. Well, I don't know because I was going to say like. Maybe he wanted to make sure that he didn't tell anyone, but like he, when he like injects him with the drugs, he's like, "Oh, normally I do this to get information, but I'm just doing it for fun." Right. So, so he does inject him with the drugs, right? Uh, and I couldn't tell. Like, I, I thought maybe at first that it was like the reveal was going to be that Stephen Skull's like, "Haha, I'm like immune to your drugs," you know, because at first he's acting like he's all whacked out, um, but then like he like kicks Zagon and he. Um, snaps out of the um like the the zip ties and he grabs the shotgun and it's like boom see a dude uh in the suit and boom see a bartender yep. and then he like shoots the third guy and then like he um he does he 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 doesn't shoot Zagon he like snaps his arm backwards yeah. like he gets him in an arm bar and then like like inverts his elbow yeah, and then snaps his neck. Yes. Uh, and, and then kind of runs out and, like, uh, they find him. But I guess he was affected by the drugs. Um, it, it's very confusing because then the, the FBI guy that he pulled the jump in the lake shows up. But I guess, like, he's on Steven Seagal's side now. And then, like, the last scene in the movie is, like, the senator visiting uh, his house. And he's like, oh, I want to thank you for what you did. And he's like, are you sure you want to go on record for this? And there's, like, a judge there. <laughs> Uh, and he starts like recounting the story of his time in the uh, uh, in Vietnam. So basically, this movie is like a snake eating its own tail because it ends yeah. where it started. Uh, and then there's like a shot of the Capitol building. Um, yeah, and I think there's some quote at the very end again about people not being above the law. So right. yeah, it's it's. I feel like it ends on such a weird note. Like, you have the action scene, the guy dies, and then the end, it's like, hey, you want to testify? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you want to testify against all these people you've just killed? Yeah, like, who, who who's, who's going who's going down at this point? Like, right. he basically killed everybody. He killed Zagon. He killed <clears throat> Zagon's dude in the suit. Nelson's dead. He killed the 
fucking bartender. That bartender really bugged me in this movie. Apparently. Yeah, look, well, I just didn't understand. It didn't it didn't make sense given the context of the movie why he kept showing up places. <laughs> um did you see that uh oh no, I was gonna I was like I was like, oh I marked this as something to talk about, but it was just that Mark Michael Rooker was in the movie. So <laughs> I did, as a matter of fact. I could not believe it. He was in there and and right next to him, John C. Riley, right? Crazy. Yeah. Did you see that there's apparently a uh, a reference to this movie in the John C. Riley Will Ferrell movie uh Step Brothers? Yes, they're watching it at some point. Yeah, they're they're watching it at some point. It's the scene where he's all like bloody and he's like strapped to the chair. So yep. that's kinda interesting. Um do, 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 do. uh you have any role reversals? <laughs> no. I thought um I thought this was, I thought this was the one where they I thought this was the one where they said originally like this is gonna be a movie like starring Chuck Norris, wasn't it? Wasn't oh, that something? Yeah, it, sort of. Yes. They 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 originally envisioned it to be Chuck Norris, but they could he couldn't couldn't get out of his contract with Canada. They're like, I'm sorry, dude, you gotta make Invasion USA and it's gonna be a shit show. Yeah. That's a great episode too. Yeah, I was going to say, go back and listen. If you guys haven't ever listened to the Invasion USA episode, uh, go back and listen to it. I mean, Sphinx is on it, so you're going to have to deal with that. But other than that, uh, it's a great episode. Yeah, that episode's great. So is uh, 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 Passenger 57. Um, <laughs> always, a great kick, episode. always kick him in the dick. Yep. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think... Let's, I don't know, maybe, let's just rate it. Okay, let's rate it. Okay. Yeah. You want me to go first? Or do you want to go first? Why don't you go first? I'll go first. Okay. This movie was more boring than I expected it to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's, I guess boring is not the right word. This is definitely a crime drama. It's a lot more crime drama than it is action movie. Um, and the fight scenes in it are fine, but I, I think we're a little, I think I'm a little jaded just due to what we see now as far as martial arts goes yeah. and martial arts fight scenes go. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so I think maybe Aikido, Aikido was a very new and kind of foreign concept to people at in 88. And I mm-hmm. feel like this was sort of a, eye-opening experience for people then but now it seems dated and i don't know the movie's complicated it's (laughs) confusing acting's not great (laughs) but it's not a bad movie you know what i mean like i feel like 50 percent rotten tomatoes is is right you know it's it's right in the middle so i would recommend people watch it but don't expect it to be the martial arts movie you think it's going to be based on Steven Seagal's reputation. Um, and don't expect it to be the action movie you think it's going to be based on it being an action movie in 1988. It's yeah. not. It's definitely more of a crime drama. Uh, I want to give it, I'm going to give it two and a half machine guns just right down the middle. Okay. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Yeah, it, it definitely was less of just like a straight up action movie and that kind of um 
it, it gets me kind of curious, and I'm sure you know we'll get to them at some point. But to cover kind of those other three movies in between this and Under Siege to see like what the progression is, because Under Siege is pretty much just like a straight up action movie. Obviously, it's like straight a diehard up. one, but but I'm curious to see if like the progression between this one and that one, if those movies get increasingly more of just like a straight up action movie or, or what. Um, so so that that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean overall, I I didn't think this was a bad movie i i think maybe i was expecting more out of it i, I don't know why yeah but like I, I i don't know i didn't think any of the action sequences were particularly great i mean grading on a curve for like 1988 like okay fine um but uh, i don't know steven skull he's he's really i don't know i i can't really say that I, i'm a huge fan of his uh i mean i guess this earlier stuff is better than you know obviously now but like uh the the acting was bad i i really and it's it funny i was going to talk about this in the plot but i'll talk about it now like i was so happy when he finally killed zagon but like a lot of times in, like an action movie you're like oh man i really want this bad guy to get it because he's just like horrible he's worse i just found zagon to be so annoying yes <laughs> that i was just happy that i wasn't gonna have to listen to him anymore like he was just really annoying and i didn't like him at all so i was happy to see him you know i kind of wish he would have you know, like breaking his arm before he snapped his neck was like, I was like, all right, okay, cool. I can, I can roll with that. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, like I, I, I think I'm going to go right the same as you two and a half right down the middle. Cause I didn't hate it and I didn't love it. Uh, I'd be interested to see the progression of his career, but, but overall, like, I don't know if it's something I'd ever revisit, but I, I'm yeah. kind of glad and glad, glad that I've, I've seen it. Now. I'm not glad that I <laughs> ended up having to rent it. Right. Uh, I don't own it though because surprisingly it was two ninety nine to rent, but nine ninety nine to buy. So I was like, "Well, I'm not going to buy it." Um, but I was really—I I would have watched the end of it last night, but I thought I was like, "All right, if I wait till tomorrow, it's December first, and maybe it'll be on like Max or something else that I have. I have every GD streaming service there is, but it, it was not. So, um, but yeah, two and a half I think is a, is a fair and accurate uh, uh, rating for this film. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and you're right though. Like there's some villains that are just like, there's bad guys. Like you really just want to see them get their comeuppance. And there's yeah. some that are just annoying. And this guy yeah. was just, he's just irritating. Like, yeah, he's really irritating. And his like bag of tricks that he'd always pull out. He's like, ha ha. It's like, and there's like, I don't know. Like I, I feel like that's like a villain crutch that you see show up a lot where it's like, Oh, it's the evil interrogator. And yeah. he's got like a bag of like drugs and knives and stuff. And that dude's go-to move is like, I'm going to inject you with these chemicals and then I'm going to threaten you with this knife. Yeah. And then you don't see him do anything else. Yeah. Right. It's stupid. Um, but, yeah. it, but I will say that it is funny uh, that this movie, like it, it's wrapped up like, so quickly at the end because like i was watching it and i'm always conscious of how much time is left like even so much that i'm like well this movie's an hour and 39 minutes but there's five minutes credits so like i always subtract that about right. and, like we're at a certain point i'm like there's probably like less than 10 minutes of film left, like less than 10 minutes left in this movie and he's like strapped to that chair i'm like how are they gonna wrap this up and i'm like oh because he ends up killing all the main bad guys in a span of like two minutes on the, like a minute and a half on yeah. that screen. And they're all in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. In the same room where they were getting ready to assassinate a uh, U.S. Senator. Right. Um, but yeah, the two and a half fair. I, you know, like I said, I, maybe I'm just not a Steven Seagal fan. I mean, I am not like, okay, I'm not. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> but it, I, I, I did always kind of think I'm like, well, 
I'm like maybe going back and watching some of these original ones. Like maybe that's when he really shined, you know? Right. If I remember correctly, you see his ego gets bigger and bigger in each movie. Yeah. And so you start to see him doing things that are, uh, um, that make him Steven Seagal look better not necessarily in favor of the characterization he's of his character in the movie. You know what? I, I not to get uh, you know uh, behind the scenes, but you know it's a movie I uh, haven't seen in a long time. But I was just thinking because I was in my mind, I was like, as you were talking, I was like, I was like, after Under Siege, it seems to all make a good action movie. I think at some point soon in the new year, we should cover Executive Decision because I know that's not really a Steven Seagal movie, but I'm like, maybe that's the last one he was in that was like. I feel like we covered movie. that. I don't think so. Did you didn't do Executive Decision yet. If you did, it was... It wasn't with you. It wasn't with me. I think it was with... uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure we covered it with... uh, Sphinx did it. I... I, I'm looking right now. Hold on. Okay, I was like, if you say so, I'm usually pretty good at remembering. Fill some time. Um, Well, I'll just... I'll I'll start with my plugs um, just while you're doing that. Uh, I want to plug 2B, uh, which, by the way, I'll just say 2B... Uh, I watched, well, I mainly watched most of this movie, but the movie that we're covering next week was on Tubi as well. So it was a real Tubi fest over here. Uh, I'm not as hot on Pluto TV these days. I haven't watched anything out in a while, so I will say Tubi. Uh, And then I'll say uh, I've been watching uh, Monarch uh, Legacy of Monsters on Apple+. Plus. Uh, if you're a fan of like uh, the new Godzilla movies and the MonsterVerse, it's 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 pretty good, and it's got Kurt Russell in it. And who doesn't like watching something with Kurt Russell in it? So, um, yeah, uh, how's it going? I don't know. Maybe we didn't. Did you figure out I was right, and you didn't cover it. I could have sworn we did because I remember having a discussion with Sphinx about it. Maybe it was just a discussion he and I had. And we didn't Maybe. actually. Sounds like Hovercraft Joe is right and LPJ Maybe. wrong. Yeah, I don't think we've done executive decision yet. All right. Well, look forward to 2024 when we cover executive decision with I mean, Kurt Russell. It, unless it got erased from my list, but I don't. I just I don't think it's been on the podcast. I, I gotta be honest with you. I mean, I I have a pretty good knowledge of the movies that you did that I wasn't on. Yeah, and, and I don't remember that being one of them. Okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think you're probably right. So, anyways, I was just because I in my mind, I like I said, I was just kind of like, well, what's after Under Siege? Did he make any good movies? <laughs> well, he wasn't even really in Executive Decision. Well, I know, but I was just that I was just saying that that was the first one I could think of that right. he was in that was like a good movie. I feel like after like Under Siege and maybe a few other ones, he just started making like straight to video. Oh yeah, he went straight to really video. Low budget ones. I mean, I guess I think if I remember correctly, like we were surprised that uh, the one with. DMX was actually surprisingly kind of a hit. Yeah. Uh, or made a decent amount of money. Um oh jeez. This movie's gonna start with those episode ends and begins begins and ends of me forgetting what the name of that movie is. Um Exit Wounds? Exit Wounds, yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, anyway. All right, well my plug time. Uh go to Discord. Join us on Discord. Talk to us on Discord. That's it. That's Man, you having a, that's no, you know, you actually, you know what I am gonna plug? Uh, my no, son don't. is uh, in the robotics league, the robotics uh, uh, club at his middle school, and we started a podcast about the robotics team. Uh, it's called the Robo Falcons Podcast, 
and it's available on iTunes and uh, Spotify and pretty much everywhere else. So if you want to hear about how a robotics team functions, you want to hear from the mentors that work at it, uh, you want to hear at the students that are controlling the robot and building it, and uh, what robotics, uh, what these national robotics competitions are all about. Listen to the Robo Falcons podcast. Uh, there's two episodes out right now. Tomorrow, uh, we are actually going to our third and final comp- qualifying competition for the year to hopefully make the state competition. And then if we do well at the state competition, the world competition, um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, Robo Falcons podcast. So give that a listen uh, and rate it and, and, and five-star it and like it and subscribe and all that stuff. That's that's awesome, but what I'm hearing is that you're two timing on me in the podcast market. So I don't know how I feel about that. Would you like to be on? No. Okay, fair enough. Because you have to show up. You have to show up on Tuesdays at uh, between six and eight uh, at the uh, the Career Tech Center across the street from Churchill High School. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna pass. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't want to be on a second podcast. I mean, a lot of times I don't even want to be on this one. That's so fair. I don't- I don't, think I, I don't think I want to add another one to the mix. I'm just kidding. I love being on the podcast 90, 75% of the time. That's fair. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, all right. That's yep. all I got. You got anything else? I got nothing else. All right. Well, I think we're good. Yeah. We're this great. episode, stop talking. <laughs> this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But. We'll be back.